Hello and welcome to The Woman Who. I'm Zowie Ashton, and in this series, I'll be bringing you the remarkable stories of Britain's most inspirational women of the last 140 years. These are the tales of the true pioneers of music, literature, the performing arts and fashion. Women who have defied convention, broken boundaries and pushed the limits of what's possible. I'll be taking a deep dive into the lives of these trailblazers, reliving their struggles and setbacks, their loves and losses, and how they overcame every obstacle in their path to achieve unimaginable success. These women are the real deal, the true influencers of their day. This is the tale of the woman who made music electronic, groundbreaking musician, inventor, and composer, Daphne Oram. It may seem obvious these days that you don't need an acoustic musical instrument to produce sound or music. Producers usually depend not on live orchestras, but on computers and technology to create all the most beloved and popular music today. But in the 1940s, this was a completely unthinkable idea. It took the radical mind of Daphne Oram to imagine that music could be produced without an instrument, changing the future of sound forever. But Daphne's life might have taken a very different turn had it not been for a mystical intervention. When she was 17 years old in 1942, Daphne's father invited the celebrity psychic and medium, Leslie Flint, to their Wiltshire home. Leslie was famous for his seances. He would turn off the lights and invite the voices of the dead to speak to a room and swear that it was not simply him doing the talking. Sure enough, in a darkened room before a nervous Daphne, Leslie heard a voice from beyond, foretelling that Daphne would become a famous musician. Daphne's father was so thrilled at the pronouncement that he allowed Daphne to drop out of nursing training to pursue a musical career. That suited Daphne just fine. Music had been her passion all throughout her childhood. She studied piano, organ, and music composition, but she had also taken a keen interest in the new and exciting field of electronics. Daphne and her brothers loved nothing more than to mess about with radios, transmitting music to each other from around the house. When Daphne sat at the piano, she once said that she wanted to play the notes between the piano keys. To her mind, there should be no limits in the creation of music, and this fundamental belief would shape her life and the history of music. 
Daphne's musical talents soon earned her a place at the Royal College of Music, but she decided to turn it down in favor of a job that sparked her electrical and her musical interest. She became a junior studio engineer at the BBC, a role that normally would have gone to a young man had they not been off fighting in World War II. In her new job, Daphne helped with broadcasts of live orchestral performances. But since this was wartime, she had to be ready to swap out the live performance for a recorded version of the same music in the event that the concert should be interrupted by the Blitz. In this way, the BBC hoped to spare their listeners from panic or despair. But this wasn't quite enough to satisfy Daphne's boundless imagination. What Daphne really wanted was to make new kinds of sounds and music using a bold new technology, magnetic tape. Daphne was filled with wonder at the possibilities of tape recorders for a musical composer. Those yards and yards of tape, she said, pregnantly coiled, are as placid and inoffensive as the painter's canvas awaiting the first stroke. In her prim 1950s dresses, with horn-rimmed glasses and neatly coiffed hair, Daphne approached her bosses at the BBC with a proposal. She wanted a studio to produce electronic music. It didn't go well. The top brass of the BBC were not impressed with her pitch. She later remembered how one manager dressed her down. He reduced me to a very small height and finished by saying, Miss Oram, the BBC employs a hundred musicians to make all the sounds they require. Thank you. But the BBC's skepticism was not enough to squash Daphne's passion. At the end of each workday, Daphne would not go home and relax. Instead, she gathered whatever equipment she could find and write her own music. She experimented with cutting tapes, layering them, speeding them up and slowing them down, splicing them together and reversing them. She recorded the noises of everyday objects to tape and then manipulated them into never-before-heard sounds and musical compositions. I worked until I believe I was rather grey, she remembered later. This was how Daphne composed her first work, Still Point, widely considered to be the first musical work combining a traditional orchestra with the electronic music of live turntables. Thrilled with her creation, she pitched it to the BBC. Once again, it was a resounding no. The work was far too strange and revolutionary for BBC audiences. Finally, in 1958, Daphne's campaign to create an electronic music studio 
finally bore fruit. The BBC gave Daphne a grim little spare room amid a pile of -of out-of-date equipment and made her the first studio manager of the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. Daphne's dream was to use the studio to create avant-garde music at the cutting edge of musical and technological understanding. The BBC's dream, however, was to have an in-house, cheap source of music for all their low-budget output. They wanted jingles, local radio intros, and the scores for their dramas and educational programming. To make matters worse, Daphne also had to put up with the struggles of being a woman at work in the 1950s. At one point, her managers told her that she had to take a six-month break from the workshop. They were worried what its strange bleeps and bloops and electromagnetic waves might do to the female body. It was the last straw. Daphne quit her job and struck out on her own. In an old barn once used for drying hops in Kent, Daphne set about building her own electronic music studio. There she wrote audacious new compositions of electronic music. She wanted to break the traditional boundaries of music and explore the outer limits of the human ear's comprehension. Of course, she still needed to pay the bills, so she also freelanced for film, television and commercials. She wrote catchy jingles for Lego and Nestle and created sounds for James Bond films, though she was not credited for them. It was even rumoured that she was visited in her studio by the Beatles, the Rolling Stones and the Who. Most impressive of all, Daphne set about building a new machine to create music and a totally new form of musical notation. She dubbed the new system Oramics, a method of painting squiggles directly onto 35mm film and feeding it through her Oramics machine, which would produce the desired sound. It was a revolutionary new way for humans to communicate with machines. My machine does not really fit into any category, she explained, nor does the notation which goes with it nor does the music which comes from it. For Daphne, sound was not only a career, it was a mystical experience. Perhaps this was to be expected, given Daphne's career had been launched by the visions of a psychic medium. Her work explored the relationship between electronics, music and the human body. She understood that human beings are noisy creatures, the cells and atoms which make up our bodies vibrating and resonating like a musical instrument. Through the properties of sound, Daphne sought a better understanding of the human soul. Daphne did not like to think that any one person, let alone herself, was the sole inventor of electronic music. As with most inventions, she wrote, many minds were almost simultaneously excited into visualizing far-reaching possibilities. 
but it was her mind. And the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, which she founded, which launched electronic music from the realm of imagination into reality. She was the founding mother of all electronic music which came after, from Kraftwerk to Bjork to Madonna to Lady Gaga and beyond. In her late night experiments at the BBC, or hunched over her revolutionary Oramics machine, Daphne changed the way that humans create and listen to music forever. The Woman Who podcast series has been brought to you by Fennec, the UK's department store of distinction since 1882. Tune in each week to uncover the story of a new inspirational woman and head to fennec.co.uk for more info and celebrations on their 140th anniversary of empowering women through the circus of life. The Woman Who is a Radio Wolfgang production written by Hannah Jewell and read by me, Zowie Ashton. The producer is Kieran Carruthers, sound design is by Tony Onachuku, and the executive producer is Ellie DiMartino. Martino.